0: Do you crave meaningful conversations with people of different backgrounds and perspectives? Do you admire certain people from afar, but wish you can get to know them on a deeper level? Thankfully, we live in an incredible age where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond the often manufactured soundbites, small talk, and social media posts we are bombarded with on a daily basis. This is a podcast that seeks to provide you our listeners with refreshing content from a variety of inspiring guests, a place where we can truly hear their stories. I'm Karen Corin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of Soul Sessions with KK. Today's guest is Nina Grunfeld. Nina Grunfeld went through it all. Trauma, abuse, cancer, divorce. She went through one thing after another. And here for the first time ever, she is telling her story, her remarkable story on Soul Sessions with KK. Not only do we speak about the pain and the challenges that Nina went through, But we talk about strength and what it means to be a strong person. Nina Grunfeld is a dual survivor of Hodgkin lymphoma and domestic violence. She uses her survivorship to raise awareness and advocate for each cause respectively. She is passionate about living her best life, gratefully, each day and helping those going through similar experiences. This show is about hope, resiliency, and perseverance. Her story is truly miraculous and it is here just in time for Hanukkah, the holiday of miracles. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions with KK. I have Nina Grunfeld, on the show here today, and she will be sharing her remarkable story for the first time ever. Nina, it is an honor to have you on my show and for you to share your story with our listeners.
1: Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. As you know, this means a lot to me. So really, I cannot thank you enough, and what you do is amazing. It means a lot to me and I I know we've exchanged some words
0: today and I heard a little bit of your story and I'm looking forward to people hearing what you have to say about certain topics. Um, But let's just go right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself,
1: who you are. Who is Nina Grunfeld? Nina Grunfeld is a 29 year old female that's living her best life after having gone through a lot of trauma, um Within a short amount of time, I try not to let my traumas define me, but rather use them as a way to motivate me for living my best life while giving back to certain causes or just people that could relate to the things that i've gone through and that have been there for me through my experiences.
0: I know we connected on Instagram, Nina, and I always knew your name. Like We would comment on each other's posts. You would like some of my stuff. And like I found you to be very interesting. And I remember when I posted my episode on domestic violence, and I had it with Shalom Task Force, I remember you said that it resonated with you. And you shared a little bit about why. And can you just tell the audience, can you share
1: with the audience a little bit about your story with domestic violence? Sure. Um, recently, I kind of view myself as a dual survivor. Um, not only have I, thank God, Lee Ayanhara, knock on wood, you know, toot for whoever's watching this. <laughs> um, I have survived the Hodgkin's lymphoma, but in addition to that, I, I'm now aware that I'm also a survivor of domestic violence. Um, it took a lot of learning and self-awareness um, in order to come to this realization. When you hear domestic violence, you don't necessarily think or know, at least I didn't you hear violence, you think of you know physical abuse, or physical abuse. Um, and you know, you could check out certain websites like Sham Task Force or Safe Horizon. There's so much information out there, um, and I'm not going to go through each type of abuse, but domestic violence really is a big umbrella for several types of abuse, and um, I unfortunately experienced that and. I survived it, and thank God I'm thriving now. Um, But I think there's a lot that needs to be further discussed globally, communally, um, in order to raise awareness and in order to unite survivors or people going through it.
0: When did you realize that there was a problem in your relationship? At what point were you like, "Uh uh-oh, you know what? This is really not good, actually.
1: So it's funny, and a lot of people don't know about this, but um, I went from really being in bliss of, you know, really genuinely believing that I met my soulmate and just being on kind of cloud nine, you know, love is blind. Of course, looking back, I could think of, so many red flags and so many times where I should have ran. Um, but when you're in something and you do see potential, you want to believe that it's a real deal. Um, and okay. there's a lot I could get into about this, but basically, things went from what I thought was really, really good to really, really bad, really, really fast um I had taken a trip with my ex um, to a different state when we were married and something really traumatic happened there. Um, And that was really the first time in my relationship with my ex that things were just totally not handled properly, had me, you know, left in a really bad way after this particular occurrence um and i know i'm not being too specific here but um i'm happy to discuss individually with people if they need to you know get more information for their own healing and purposes but um after that really traumatic event i started noticing difference in behavior you know how I was approached by my ex to how he would speak with me um and I thought initially it was because of this traumatic event that things were just the dynamic was different um it took a few months for me to realize after that um that there was a lot more going on behind the scenes um behind you had no idea that I just didn't know were going on, um, and clearly he knew certain things were happening that I wasn't aware of until, unfortunately, discovering them for myself. And um, you know, if there's if there are secrets and lies and stuff being hidden from a partner, there's no way for there to be a true connection and real intimacy. Um, So, you know, months after that traumatic event, um, when I discovered these other things going on that I didn't know about, it kind of all added up. And, but yet not really, because so much was like, how could the person that you decide to spend your life with, that you think you could trust with your life, just be hiding all this and not communicating and I had so many questions and I would try to discuss them and you know get my answers and I was just told one story after the next and all at the same time um my mom noticed a lump on the right side of my neck and oh my this was all going on literally the same time um so can, while I, I, can trying- I interrupt
0: you for one second Nina
1: sure
0: um can you Because before we get into um, your lump on the neck, which is a crazy sore in and of itself, um, do you mind sharing, you know, one aspect of the relationship where he was hiding things from you or you noticed it was problematic? Can you give an example of an instance where you saw like a
1: red flag? Well, yeah. Um you know, when it comes to finances, you enter a relationship, you know, you want to have a, most people have a joint account, um, which we did. And I trusted him. He was my husband. Um, So, you know, I would say two months after we got married, I didn't even remember the password to the account anymore, anything. Um, I trusted him. Um, I was never a math person. And I was like, okay, you know, he always had me believing he is, you know, responsible. And he presented himself as charming and wanting to take care of me. So that was that I though had a personal account with some stuff from when I was single, you know, and that I knew the password to I had it for years. Um, And I noticed one day that there's a little bit of money missing from it. Um, so I asked him what that was about. And one thing led to the next. And I was also supporting the two of us at the time. And, um, you know, after we got married, he had said to me, we're going to have to tap into some of our wedding money because I'm not working yet and you're working. I said, I understand that. But I'd like to know that we could at least put aside some of our wedding money just something from our wedding money that we don't tap into. Um, So once I discovered that there was some money from my own personal account missing, um, I then proceeded to ask if, you know, he ever did put aside that money that I was asking him to from the wedding money. And, you know, this would go on from time to time. Oh, did you ever put that money away? Oh, not yet, whatever. But this time when I asked, he said, Oh yes, actually I did. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. Like, what type of account is it in the bank is this oh i put it away with some guy from my dad what does mm-hmm. that mean one question led to a new answer and i was getting the answers on the spot so why would i think someone's making that you know like right. i'm a very bad liar so if i'm making something i'll be like uh, uh right. you know have to think about it but i was getting the answers um and thank God, I've always been pro therapy, and I've had, you know, I was talking to my therapist about this, and she said, "Well, if he claims that it's an account that you have access to, you would have had to sign something." So then I asked that. Oh well, actually, I I didn't do that. This is what happened. So it's basically <laughs> that, lie after lie, lie after lie after lie, and I'm not someone to give up on people. I like being given chances in life so i try to do that with those i interact with especially if it's someone i love especially if it was someone i was married to so i was really trying you know to give chance after chance after chance but you know story after story after story then going for biopsies and all these tests and being told you have cancer and believing one last story that he had me believing When I started treatment, not only was that money not put away, I found out during that whole time when I was being told story after story after story, I finally went into the bank, did my own research based on the different stories I was getting. There was no money from the wedding left in this joint account. Devastating. Not only no money from the wedding, none of my work money was there either.
0: And when you confronted him about it, how how did he react? How did you move forward
1: from that loss? It was just story after story after story, me trying to make sense of the different stories I was getting. It even meant me making my own calculations at work, trying to fathom how a certain story, which involved a family member of his, could possibly even make sense, being told I cannot discuss it with this family member. But really, again, getting back to what you were about to ask, I was going through a lot medically and, you know, going to therapy to try to deal with how can I wrap my head around realizing that there's no more money left in the bank and that I may have cancer and then eventually that I did have cancer. I'm
0: so sorry you went through all of that, Nina. Um, Thank you.
1: Can you tell us how you discovered your cancer? Yeah, so this was all going on around the Yom Tovim of that year. Um, So I was getting to my parents for Sukkot, and very soon after I got there, um, I was downstairs in my parents' house, and what's ironic is I got my hair blown out that day, and I'm someone who looks in the mirror, you know, I put on makeup when I go out. I, you know, it's and I'm a pretty observant person. Um, And I did not notice when my mom pointed out, she said, Nina, what is that on the right side of your neck? I said, what are you talking about? I didn't feel anything. So like, why would I think there's something on my neck if you don't feel anything there? So I looked in the mirror and I saw like literally like the size of a golf ball um like just bulging out and I was like like I just like I was petrified the second I saw it um and can't imagine yeah it was just it was not a good suit coat for many reasons
0: yeah yeah and from that point when you went to the doctor and I'm sure it was a struggle to find the right doctor and for them, biopsy after biopsy until they discovered what kind of cancer it was.
1: Yeah. Um, and what did they discover
0: after all of that? Um,
1: yeah, so I was first, you know, going to my regular doctor and thank God she really pointed me in the right direction because she did not like how, first they had me on antibiotics, seeing if it would get smaller, because if it does, then it means it's not a tumor. Then if it doesn't, it could mean that it is. And there was like one week where like, I was literally being told to measure it, and I thought it was getting smaller, so I was so hopeful, but then my regular PCP did not like the size of it um, still, so she told me to go to a head and neck specialist, who then did the first biopsy, came back inconclusive, and I was getting all these phone calls while at work, Um it was so, like it was so nerve wracking. You know, I'd get a phone call from a doctor and like go outside to take it and like being told all the stuff that was just like overwhelming. Um, so I had two inconclusive, I had the first stage biopsy inconclusive. The second biopsy took very long to get back longer than what they had told us initially. Um, and we were hearing bits and pieces. I remember it was like an Arab Shabbos and like, the last thing I heard was like, what well, we do have back so far looks good. And I went into that Shabbos like so hopeful. And then on Monday at work, they called me at work, which technically, apparently, they're not supposed to do. They're supposed to tell you to come in for a visit. Right. But I was at work. My boss was in the room with me and he heard me say, Does that mean it's malignant? And he just like didn't know what to do with himself. He's, he's the nice guy. Um, and I was told that I tested positive for lymphoma. Um, and I knew lymphoma is a cancer, but I didn't know how many different types of lymphomas there were. And I didn't know what to do. Um, I was told, you know, your next step is to go see an oncologist. And that's really when everything just, you know, was like, you just got to, Speak to the right people. It's very overwhelming. It was basically working twenty four seven to speak to the right people to get to the right doctors. If you have to get quit the your right job, insurance. yeah, I mean, yeah, I did stop working then. Um, How did you support and- yourself when
0: your ex took all of the money from the bank and your bank yeah. account? You didn't have a job, and you had all these bills. Cancer
1: bills who was supporting you how did you how did you get by? It was a challenge to say the least. Um, you know i had going back to the domestic violence and the abuse, I had discussions with my ex, you know, you know this is the money's missing, I can't work anymore. um maybe it's time to do something. He was a medical student um but for certain reasons, and I mean, I could say them, but I won't because I'm I'm proud of who I am as a person. Um, he didn't have much going on. He was home. Um, and I suggested it's time for him to, I offered him my job. He didn't want it. My sister actually flew in from California to help out and she did my job for me while I was going through everything. Um, but I was not only yelled at and told how dare i expect him to work now when he's eventually going to be the breadwinner if he's going to be a doctor um so how dare i expect him to work now and that i really could probably work even when i start treatment um so that's what i dealt with and He eventually, I guess, realized I was right or something within him said, okay, I'll get something, but it wasn't by any means something that was supporting the two of us and not a full-time thing. Um, And thank God there are incredible people in my life who brought to my attention really incredible organizations that really helped me during those months. There are organizations like RCCS that really help with everything from insurance to, you know, the right referrals, getting you into the right doctors, so many amazing organizations. Um, I could go on and on. And We should never need really them, but thank God for them. Exactly. I thank God never needed them until then, and I was completely blown away by these organizations and I'll do everything I could to, to give back in the ways I could.
0: And would you say that the support of these organizations not only helped you with your, you know, cancer treatments, but did anything else also help you get out of the marriage? I mean, when at one point did you get out of the marriage? Was it during the cancer treatments after? Can you tell yeah, us a little so- bit about that?
1: So I started chemo um, with the understanding of one last story about what happened with the money. Um, And that was the story that I went into chemo believing. Um, And two months after starting chemo, two months into my treatments, um, one day out of nowhere, I was told, um, by the way, I made up that story as well literally those words I made that up as well um my jaw dropped open I just I'm like shaking even like reliving it um I was probably shaking then too and I just looked at him and I said you understand that I don't know what's coming out of your mouth right now if I'm if I could believe that or not at this point and how scary this is for me. Right. And he said, yeah, I understand that. Um, so I really needed time and space to process and wrap my head around what was going on, especially because I was fighting for my life. Um, and I'm wondering, Nina, that,
0: if you didn't have the cancer, I'm wondering if you wouldn't have left the marriage I'm wondering if the cancer
1: maybe pushed you to make this very brave decision. yeah, well I think when someone is dealt um a card like cancer or any other sort of you know life threatening disease um or any sort of experience that makes you really reevaluate and reassess life in itself. I think it just gives you a different, a a little bit of a different approach on what really matters in life, who you really are, and, and what you need from life and your relationships. And like I said, I'm not one to give up on people or things And throughout all those months, up until that day, when I was told I'm still lying to you, I was going to therapy on my own because he refused. I was, I think God have an amazing support system of my family. Who's just, they've been incredible. My amazing friends who are like family to me and such incredible mentors that are mostly in Israel. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. So I was going to therapy. I was davening to Hashem, praying to God for clarity and speaking to the people in my support system. And I remember speaking to a mentor of mine in Israel, who I'm extremely close with, who's always been guiding me um, since my year in Israel. Any issues, she's been able to give me solid advice, concrete words of wisdom. And I just remember speaking to her on the phone and I said, what am I supposed to do in addition to what I'm doing? Like, what, like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get this clarity? And she said, Nina, this is the first time where I don't have an answer for you other than just keep doing what you're doing. Um, Which was what? Like fighting and... Continue praying. Continue praying was emphasized continue praying and continued therapy, continue being that, you know, intuitive, self-aware person you are. And hopefully that clarity will come, but no one was able to tell me you're going to get the clarity you need. So I'm so grateful that, I don't know what compelled him to say that day that he was still making things up, but in some ways it was really, a blessing in disguise. Um, but I really just, I didn't want to even call it quits then because I was just like, I just needed time and space yeah. to wrap my head around it. But my time and space wasn't respected. And things really crumbled after that um, very, very quickly. So, yeah, I was able to then focus on getting better physically and finishing my treatments being surrounded by people who genuinely love me, who there is a real intimate connection with. And it wasn't easy. Um, I was still like, what is going on? Um, But I'm just incredibly grateful to have gotten through it all.
0: Your words are very touching and they're inspiring me because, you know, these days I feel like everybody has some sort of trauma especially from this pandemic. Yes. Yeah. And after listening to what you went through, not to take away from anybody's traumas today, but it just really puts things into perspective that like, you know, you were able to go through hell and back and with trust in God and therapy, and support systems, you were able to fight through it and continue to this day. It's not like you're amazing today, that's it, no problems. But you're showing us the will to continue going. And I really respect that about you.
1: Thank Um, you.
0: What can you tell? Singles who are listening to this, if you have any advice before they enter a relationship, a serious relationship, anything from your experience that you want to tell them so that they don't have to go through what you went through?
1: It's very tricky. I think about this often. And, you know, I'm in touch with other divorced individuals and other people that have gone through similar traumas. And I see a common theme of if you're a good person and you're a trusting person um, and you're looking for a relationship, I mean, even if people could warn, you know, part of me months back was saying, well, you know, this time I have to be really careful this time around, I have to do research and ask references and this and that. Because honestly, I didn't do enough of that prior. But then when I think about it even more, no matter what I would have found out from extensive research, nothing could have prepared me for what eventually happened in the relationship nothing could have i would have never imagined that this person is capable of doing x y and z to someone who was only giving and loving and trusting and you know so again the abuse the being taken advantage of um so but what i think it comes down to is education educating yourself i know that shalom task force came to speak to us in seminary, I know they come to speak to high schools, but it's beyond high school and seminary. I think when you're dating, it's important to to tune into a class every now and then. Go onto a website like that and just just look at their their lists of, you know, what are some red flags. And so I think it's education self-awareness of really knowing yourself and that's very hard to do even in your 20s you're still getting to know yourself and we live in communities where marriage is glorified and it should be because it's supposed to be a beautiful thing with the right person um but i think there's a pressure um you know i see like every day now people that were on the school bus with me who were like in first grade when I was in eighth grade that are married now and I'm like oh my goodness it just feels like it's getting younger and younger and younger recently um which which could be great and very often it works out beautifully how old Um, were you when you got married I was 26 which I was so happy about I thought even though I was one of my last friends to get married um I always said I wanted to get married around 26. So I thought, you know, okay, perfect. My dreams are coming true, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now they are, thank God. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So I think it's about, you know, that self-awareness. Um, but, you know, sometimes things are just going to happen in life and you don't always know why and you may never know why, but sometimes you, after going through things, you start know, you kind of could figure out that, oh, I learned this in a really hard way, but look what it's made me now. And, you know, so it's hard to, it's hard to give advice. I I went to a, you know, Jewish religious energy healer uh, last year, and she told me that no matter, even if someone would have tried to stop the marriage, She saw in her intuition that it would have happened still and that I had to go through this for some reason. Um, And you know, I, I don't know why I had to suffer. I don't know why I had to learn these lessons in such painful ways, but what I do know now is that I would have never been as strong as I am now. I would have never imagined myself doing certain things I do now being able to speak like this it's just it's totally transformed me for the better so I have so much to be grateful for
0: why do you think some people get weaker from their traumatic experiences and some people like you take those experiences and actually thrive and they become better and greater people you know I see People go through really bad trauma, and they're not going to be coming here on a podcast, you know, talking about how they triumphed. Instead, they're, they're broken, they're turning to addiction, or, you know, they're just depressed. Why do you think your story was different?
1: It's a good question and it's a hard one to answer because people are really complex. And unfortunately, I know people like you're describing. Um, I think it comes down to a few different things. Um, And I wanna also say, I thank God this, what you're saying is me, but of course I have my moments. Of course I speak with a therapist and say, why can't I get these flashbacks out of my head? Why does this have to remind me of that? I w- I'm so moving forward, but yet I'm scared because certain things, you know, are replayed in my mind that maybe it means I'm not moving forward. Um, so I think there are some people that, I don't know. I, I know for me, the support system has been a constant throughout my life and i'm so grateful for it and i'm aware that not everyone has a great relationship with their family or not everyone has an amazing group of friends that i've been blessed to have but then it i think comes back to the education and if you're going through something seek out a support group because you don't know who you'll meet through that and that person could become your family that person could become your best friend and you could be led in a direction of healing through something like that um i also know for me personally i think another thing it comes down to is your personal genetic makeup of some people are made to you know be more hopeful or find meaning in things (laughs) i found meaning in my own personal story i saw how god saved me from what really was like two cancers a physical known cancer of lymphoma, and then a cancer of a toxic partner. Um, I saw how I was being saved and given a second chance at love and at life, and life being the most important one. Um, So I was grateful to see that throughout and to have little things happen on my journey that made me see that in a very strong way. But for example, Four months after I got my green light, my mom was diagnosed with a different type of cancer. And I couldn't make sense out of that. Four months after your diagnosis? Four months after I was deemed fully anhara, oh poo, 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 knock on wood, good. And my family and I were finally like, okay, we could all finally, hopefully right, like breathe, breathe a little. Um, God had other plans and that was another trauma right after so much trauma um so your support system
0: like I I believe your mom when you told me was one of your biggest
1: support systems my mom is my best friend I'll start crying if I if I go on further but um she's just the most amazing role model and most amazing human being I know um and yeah so my point is when that happened to her i couldn't make sense of it like when i was making sense of my situation and it shook me um and i wasn't so like oh there's meaning in this when my mom was sick so it's interesting i think it's different yeah those were not the best months for me um so I think it comes down to so many different factors, and right. So the support system is really important. Um, I had another point <laughs> when you were asking. I forgot how you worded it. Something with how you worded it. I was. There was one more thing. Oh, I remember. Um, I've dealt. This wasn't my first time in dealing with hard situations in life um there was stuff I went through in college that I really dealt with head-on um and in a way probably not too many people of my age group would have dealt with it and it really built something within me of a it, it built a certain strength within me of what I was dealing with and how I was dealing with it and I really do think it was it's things like those experiences of going through hard things that kind of prepare you for other tough things and developing a strength and resiliency. Um, But like, you know, it's very nice when people don't go through tough things and they're still, you know, they still be a strong person. So I think it
0: depends what you define as strength. For me, like strength, someone who has strength doesn't mean someone who just is quote-unquote positive and I can do this. I don't cry. Right. For me, someone who's strong, no. I mean, strength can be seen in tears. Right. No, strength can be seen in Being vulnerable.
1: Yeah. Knowing how to discuss real things, showing emotion. Um, That's what I view as strength. Um, I don't believe that anyone is fearless. Everyone has fears. And yeah, I think it's just, a certain personality type that could deal with things a bit better, but also with the help of you, you, you're not meant to do things alone.
0: Yeah, It takes a village, Mm -hmm. a support system. Therapy is very important. Uh, A spiritual dimension or religious dimension. You're having God. It's all of these factors that I believe help us survive and yeah, even thrive in difficult situations. Now I'm just, I'm Mm -hmm. so blown away by so much of what you said. Can you tell us some of your hopes and dreams for the world?
1: For the world? For you, (laughs) for your life. (laughs) Well, you did say the world, so I'm gonna take that as a message from God. Um, The world is going through a huge trauma right now. Globally, it's crazy. That we are living through this time but thank god we are living through this time and everyone should just stay healthy and safe and protected amen but i think it's during a time like this where we need to look inside ourselves and connect with those around us in a way to achieve greater meaning and purpose in this world to break down those walls, to be more vulnerable, to have these discussions, which I'm so grateful you're giving me the opportunity to do. Because I think it's through discussions like these that the world does become a better place, a more knowledgeable place, a more peaceful place, a more loving place. Amen. That's what I hope for the world. (laughs) Um, And what do you hope for yourself? What I hope for myself is that I continue on this journey of strength and hope and resiliency and happiness and having this new lease on life and love. I am hopeful, not easy out there, but I'm hopeful. And I see how certain dreams of mine are already becoming, coming true. Can you tell us about that? Um, sure. Something exciting happened this week. (laughs) Um, I would like for you to share it with us. (laughs) Yeah, there's crazy stories surrounding it. But when I was diagnosed, I remember sitting on my couch and saying out loud, I just want to be at the point already where I've made it through and I could help others going through similar things. Little did I know, and um, not a lot of people know this, but just a few months ago um, around Shvua's time. Um, well, to backtrack even further, this past January, I got new neighbors directly across the hall from me. Didn't really know them, um, but when the pandemic hit, I wanted to let her know that there's like a building chat in case she needs you know, to be aware of things. So we started talking. Um, and I mentioned, probably because of the pandemic and everything, um, that I went through chemo last year. And you know, that I just like mentioned it in passing, and we continued our conversation. I told her about the building chat, and that was it. Um, so that was when the pandemic hit that conversation, which was like March. A few months later, um, time, I get a WhatsApp from this neighbor of mine who I had never spoken to aside for that one conversation. Um and she said, "I recall you mentioning that you went through chemo. Do you mind me asking what type of cancer you had?" And I said, "Sure. You know, I'm very open about what I went through." And I said, "Sure. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Is everything okay?" And she proceeded to send me a voice note back saying she had just been diagnosed with Hodgkin's. Oh my! This God. isn't. This isn't someone on the eighth floor. <laughs> this isn't someone two floors away from you this isn't even someone next units next to me. This is literally the door that I see when I open my door. It's crazy. I'm getting chills. So next thing I know she's calling me, we're on the phone for almost an hour. Um, and I, I couldn't sleep most of that week. It was like, you know, those God moments. Yeah. Stephanie Pollock and I talk about these God moments a lot. And, um, I was like crazy when you like when you feel God's presence to that extent. It's like what it's are the things? Like, it's it was crazy. And um thank God she started treatment. She was also pregnant at the time. Um, yeah. Oh so God. she was a newlywed pregnant and there were some like similarities, you know. When I was diagnosed, I was a newlywed. Um and I just like, I felt such a personal connection to this. Like it's it's here, it's in front of me. It's someone who's reaching out and connecting with me. And it's right here. Um, it was so like, as God. if you went through that whole ordeal in order to help her too. Seriously. And um, so she, thank God, started treatment. Even though she was pregnant, she had to, based on what. And she couldn't even get all the skin, whatever. I won't go too much into her story because it's her story to tell. But my point is that, and thank God, she has a beautiful baby boy now named, I shouldn't say just in case, but it's a really nice, meaningful name. Um, And it's crazy also, but she named her baby. My first cousin had a baby right when I was diagnosed. And my cousin's baby's bris was like, Two days after my actual diagnosis, my cousin had no idea yet about my diagnosis, and they named this baby a very significant name for healing. And my neighbor named her baby the same name. So when I heard the name on Zoom as my neighbor's brisk, like I just started bawling. Um and she's I'm about going to through- ball right now. <laughs> she's still going through treatment my neighbor but the crazy part is because she had a baby they needed a bigger apartment and they just moved to the building next door last week so not only was she placed here specifically across the hall from me she was here less than a year Hmm. like and i don't need to say anything more she was here she had to be here for a specific reason and she's now there um so things like that are really cool and kind of like amazing um but i've i've always been one to connect with people and i always say i'd love to be a therapist um and maybe one day i will be but i i always love connecting with others especially with things that we could bond over um and I've been saying, I, I want to do something meaningful in life, especially after all I've been through. And um, so thank God I'm actually going to be working now for an incredible organization, which I mentioned earlier called RCCS. Um, I'm going to be a care manager for them. And starting, starting to live my dreams. So I, I hope it continues like that.
0: Bezrat Hashem, you should be helping and guiding people who are unfortunately experiencing this, but you are placed yeah. in this position, you know, throughout your whole story, I just see God's hand through every moment of your life. Yeah. And it's like you can see God when you're when you actually like are searching for it. And you, yeah. like, you sit there and you you think about, you're aware that self-awareness is so crucial for finding God in your life because if you don't have self-awareness and you don't have a support team and you
1: don't have gratitude. Yeah. The gratitude no. is really important too. Yeah. It's and very difficult. And the self-care, difficult. the self-care, just everything. You need to just sometimes push yourself, but just know yourself, do what you need to do. And yeah, what you're saying is really true. Gina, you know, thank you so much for sharing
0: your story. I mean, I know there's so much more depth, but you think you really spoke about the very important points that people need to hear about your story. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you or they
1: want to, you know, ask you a question or anything? Sure. I really hope that if anyone's listening to this, that any part of my story resonates with them, they should really feel comfortable to reach out to me. Um you know, I'll post little things here and there on my Instagram stories. And I have been blown away by people in my life that I've known for years that they'll just say something small, but it it shows me that they're going through something similar or that resonated with them or they'll, or they will verbalize and say, I really needed to hear this today, or they'll want to connect with me on a certain matter and subject. And that's just like, the connection you and I were talking about what needs to be happening in the world for the world to become a better place. So please reach out if any part of my story resonated with you. Um, you could, I guess, find me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Nina, N-I-N-A, B-B-E-Y, Nina Abby, but there's only one A. So at Nina Abby And um, Feel free to email me as well. My email address is my first name, Nina, N-I-N-A, dot my last name, Grunfeld, G-R-U-E-N-F-E-L-D at gmail.com.
0: Wonderful. So everyone, you're listening to this story. You want to contact Nina. She's very relatable. She is super, super real. Like, I I know when I connect
1: with someone right away I know you know yeah, whether they're real I felt or not. It with, you know, I've been approached by others to be on podcasts which never ended up panning out and when when we connected, something just felt right. Yeah, same so here. it was totally mutual. Thank you. I felt the same way. I can
0: only connect with people who are real. And you're definitely a very, very real, honest, kind, true person. And I want to thank you for sharing your story, your truth, and your message. You have a tafkir, you have a purpose, and Hashem should give you lots of hatzlacha, success. mean In all that you do. Thank for you yourself, so much. For the world and Bizrat Hashem, all your dreams and hopes should come true,
1: become a reality. I mean, really no words could thank you enough for this opportunity and all the same back to you. And really, I have so much to God, my family, my friends and everyone who's helped me on my journey.
0: Thank you so much, Nina.
1: Thank you. Hey, thank
0: you so much for tuning in to Soul Sessions with KK. The goal of this podcast is to awaken your soul to different perspectives, perspectives that might be very, very different from yours. And I really, really admire the quote from Pierre K. Avot, Ethics of the Fathers that says, who is wise, the one who learns from others. That is the goal of this show, for us to learn from other people because that's what makes us wiser and better people. Anyway, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review, on my podcast. And also, if you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk. See you later.